We have to decide what behaviors we will accept from others and what we will not accept. Once we decide that a behavior is unacceptable, uh, meaning it's a violation of our boundaries, what are we going to do about it? If you're unsure, I'm glad you're here because today this conversation is going to help us to figure it out. I'm Alicia Caldwell, the mental fitness coach and the host of the Me, Myself, and Her podcast, where issues that challenge the mental fitness of women leaders take the spotlight. I was planning to have this conversation with you all yesterday, but I got sidetracked emotionally. I was watching the news. I was listening to all the chaos happening in Washington, D.C., and it actually got me more than sidetracked. It derailed me. The images, the harsh reality of people's hateful intentions, and my own mind, it got me in this funk that I couldn't quite move out of until this morning where I was able to renew my energy and my mind. What happened was I violated my own boundary. I allowed outside factors to have an internal impact on my mood, attitude, and most importantly, my peace. I opened my mental and emotional gate to negativity and I allowed myself to be triggered and to linger there for much too long. I normally don't watch the news. I'll do check-ins from time to time, but I usually don't watch and absorb it, meaning I don't just sit there and listen to the repetitive commentary on negative events that trigger my emotions and disrupt my spirit because that's what it ends up doing. I choose to limit the news because I know me. I know that I'm a feeler and once I get caught up in the emotion of the experience of listening and watching, it's sometimes hard to pull myself out of it. And that's what happened on Wednesday. It had an overflow effect because I didn't finish all the things that I needed to do Wednesday. So they had to move into Thursday. And then that also delayed what I needed to do on Friday. So do you see how my lack of emotional boundaries in relation to the news, how it had that ripple effect on my life, on my energy and on my perspective? That's why this conversation is so important. We have to be better stewards of our minds, of our bodies, of our relationships by being better at setting and sustaining our boundaries. Yesterday reminded me why I'm so diligent about my boundaries. It's because they matter. They matter to my mind, my body, my spirit, and my relationships. They help me to teach people how to treat me and how I need to treat myself. So the question is, what are boundaries? I think of boundaries as a fence. Sometimes that fence is too high, deep, wide, and tight, and it makes it hard for people to get in or out. This type of boundary is a barrier to building healthy relationships and practices. At other times, the boundary may be too short, shallow, narrow, and with spaces for others to easily fit through. In that situation, one is likely to accept behaviors that cause harm across the boundary spectrum. Ideally, we want boundaries that are somewhere in the middle. That middle place allows for flexibility in how we engage with people and situations. 
This flexible fence is sturdy, well-planted, and secure. It even has a gate to allow healthy relationships in, and it keeps unhealthy relationships out. But why are boundaries so important? When establishing and maintaining relationships, people need to know the guidelines for how they can interact with us and around us. And without functional boundaries, how are they going to know? We cannot grow and thrive at optimal levels individually and relationally if we don't have boundaries. So basically, boundaries are protective measures that we learn and create to protect us physically, mentally, and emotionally. When you set and are consistent with your boundaries, it sets the tone for your life and your relationships. It empowers you to walk into spaces and explore with a guide for your interactions. That guide is your fence or your boundaries. They can determine where you go, how long you stay, who you do life with, and what things or people you release. For example, I don't allow people to use the N-word in my presence. Unless you are using it to educate in a helpful fashion, I will shut it down quick. The word is derogatory and it's offensive to me and I don't use it or want to hear it. Other people may feel differently, but this is my clear and well-defined boundary. The more certain you are about your values, beliefs, and priorities, the clearer you will be about your boundaries. Is this the time or the season for you to refresh your boundaries? If you answer yes or no, that's okay. You get to decide when, if, how you go about this. But setting boundaries will increase the odds of mutually respectful interactions, preserves your energy and peace, and it can even increase your self-esteem because you're standing up for yourself. Just because we know that boundaries are good for us, it doesn't mean we will create and maintain them. Like I've said before, knowing is not enough. We have to commit to the doing. You get to decide the timing. You get to decide who gets what type of boundaries from you. As you decide whether a boundary refresh is needed, I'm going to share with you three strategies for healthy boundaries. The first strategy is know thyself. Setting boundaries is more introspective than we think. It involves self-awareness. In order to know what boundaries we need, we must first know ourselves and be in touch with our feelings. You can start this process by identifying times when you felt hurt, taken advantage of, disrespected, unsafe, or neglected in a relationship. Knowing how a person, situation, or circumstance affects you mentally and emotionally will assist you in setting boundaries. For example, if every time you talk on the phone with a friend or a family member, you feel angry, sad, or frustrated, an emotional boundary may be needed. If at some point you decide to take a deeper dive into boundary setting and self-awareness, you can also explore with a therapist how your family of origin and life experiences have contributed to any struggles you have with healthy boundaries. The second strategy is effective communication. Understanding what you need to feel safe, secure, and respected in relationships is important. Being able to articulate your boundaries is too. 
It's not always easy to speak up when a boundary violation has occurred, but how else will people know? How will they know when they have crossed the line? Feeling empowered to verbally communicate your boundaries may not happen overnight, but with practice, it can get easier. You can start by saying no to requests that don't fit your schedule. You can ignore that phone call from work after business hours. You can continue the process by clearly stating what you don't like and what you prefer. Here are a few specific examples. Example number one. I feel frustrated when I say no and you keep asking. What I need is for you to accept when I say no the first time. Example number two. I don't like hearing about the news. It makes me feel anxious. I'm intentionally not watching or wanting to know about that right now. Example number three. I appreciate the invitation, but I'm currently not available. As difficult as it may be, getting to a place where you feel comfortable expressing your thoughts, your feelings, and your boundaries is a necessary part of this conversation. Strategy number three, baby step the process. Refreshing your boundaries is wonderful, but stay in tune with how the changes may affect your current relationships. Starting too big, too fast, too soon may be harmful to those relationships that you value the most. Consider starting with small changes. This will give your family, friends, and coworkers time to learn, understand, and adjust to a healthier version of your boundaries. Starting small also benefits you. You have the opportunity to explore and tweak the construction of your fence if it becomes too rigid, loose, or unstable. And if that happens, you can easily make adjustments. People can't read our minds, so they may not know where the boundary is until we teach them. They may cross boundaries unknowingly and ruin a personal or professional relationship. How can we work to prevent this? First, by understanding what boundaries are. Second, knowing how they work for us. Third, how can we create and sustain them? Those three things can make all the difference. This is an opportunity for each and every one of us to begin the journey of refresh, looking at where we are right now and what boundaries still work for us and what boundaries need some tweaking. Let's take a look at whether our fence is too high, too deep, too rigid, or is it really wobbly and loose? Is the gate left open all the time where any and everybody can just come and go as they please? Before I go, I want to share with you a resource that may help you if you're looking to dig a little bit deeper into this conversation. It's the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. You've probably already heard of it, but it's a really good book for you to explore your boundaries and continue this process on your own. But until next time, I'm wishing you peace, harmony, and healthy boundaries. 
Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found value in the conversation. Keep in mind that the information shared is not a substitute for services from a licensed mental health provider or medical professional. To read the blog version of this conversation, go to my website at livelikeher.com and check it out. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at livelikeher2 and on Facebook at livelikeher. Join me again next week for another conversation about who we are, who we want to be, and how to become her.